Today's episode is by far one of my favorites I've ever recorded. And the reason being is because my guest today is a powerhouse. Perry Chase is a challenger on the Enneagram just like myself. And why this conversation has been so valuable for me to listen to, edit, re-listen to, and connect with somebody like Perry is because of the differences in opinions and philosophies that she and I share. Even though we have the same Enneagram type, that does not mean that we show up exactly alike because a lot of other factors go into the equation. We cannot ignore how our life experiences are different. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy the Enneagram so much is because of its fluidity and it doesn't put us necessarily in a box like every eight is going to be exactly the same. Perry Chase and I uh, were first introduced by Traver Bohm, another Enneagram eight who shows up completely different from Perry and myself. And if it were not for uh, my connection to Traver, I would not have been um, given the opportunity to connect deeper with Perry as she comes on today's episode as our guest. We do not hold back, as you might expect, when two challengers get together. They are going to talk about whatever it is that comes up. We initially begin our conversation with what it's like to look inward when we are triggered. And Perry speaks to her passion of alchemizing from our life experiences and what can we gain and grow from. We discuss how to tap into our inner compass and how it is that our Enneagram personality type becomes solidified in late adolescence or early adulthood. I relate so much to Perry's personal story because of how our vision of success literally can kill us and how seeking approval from others destroys our sovereignty. We close out our conversation with how it benefits us not to take things personally. We dig into the hot topic of receiving dick pics. If you find a lot of value in today's conversation, please share it with one person that you feel would get a lot of value out of listening to Perry, Chase, and I discuss how it's like to be an Enneagram 8 in the world today. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode. Everyone, welcome back to the Challenger Podcast. I'm honored to be joined by Perry Chase. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure to host you here. We met through Traver Bohm. Uh, on his podcast first, and then through a live event that he hosted, uh, where my partner and I got to watch you do your thing. <laughs> that was fun. We had a good time. It certainly inspired a lot of conversation for us afterwards. Um, one of the things that resonated for both of us was when you get triggered, that's God. Do you remember, do you recall saying that and the context that we were speaking in? Well, so, I mean, the way that I, I don't know if that was the, was that exactly what I said? It might be like a little bit, right. mm -hmm. the way that I would describe that is that like, um, you know, when we're triggered, it's sort of the universe's way of pointing to the things within us that are not healed. Like that is our work. That is our lesson. Mm. Right? And so, you know, in today's world of sanitation and, you know, everything must be, no one must feel a thing. Um, like, I, I just like to remind people that like, no, that's actually for you. Yeah, I think that was our, that was our takeaway. And we had a good conversation about it afterwards of like, uh, yes, it is pointing to the places within us that aren't healed yet. And 
uh, feelings are information. Feelings are not meant to be suppressed, meant to be ignored. Uh, when we do that, then we come, then we run into a lot of trouble. Yeah. It's, it's a tough conversation, right? Because like, I'll just, and just to bring this into like the present day and the culture, like there are people who live in this world, in our culture and in our, in our society who are, um, experiencing re-traumatization, like racism, living with racism, for instance, is now obviously can't speak to it from my own embodied experience, but, you know, from, from the, the work that I've done and the relationships that I have with people, you know, racism is something that, for instance, that is constantly trauma. It's a constant trauma. It's not, it's an active trauma and it's happening all the time. And there are different phases of, working with this stuff, which is like, first, before you can even begin to heal your trauma, you have to stop the active trauma. Right. Yeah. And so this is where it's kind of like, it's a tough conversation because for some people it's about like healing wounds, but for other people, it's like, no, no, we need, we need to stop this so that you nervous system has a moment to breathe. Mm -hmm right? So that you can actually find the state of stability. And only when you have a state of stability, can you then begin to excavate and your body is only going to let you excavate what you're ready to excavate. Yeah, I, I totally agree that when we're in a heightened central nervous system response, we can't do the healing until we remove ourselves from that situation, whether that be a relationship, a work environment, a family system, or uh, so many other opportunities there to take a look at what's causing um, that um, that emotion to come up, your central nervous system response, and then we can progress towards labeling, um, processing, and healing. Totally. Yeah. And alchemizing, like that's that's really, I mean, that's really the work that I do anyway. It's the mm -hmm. Like you, you, you do have to kind of go back to touch the original thing and feel it and frame it in a new way in mm -hmm. order to really have it leave your system. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's just soothing. <laughs> a soothing, a soothing the emotion or the process of alchemizing is soothing. The process of alchemizing is not soothing at all. No. <laughs> it's why people need to be ready for it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew that we were going to hit on some hot topics today based on what I heard from your interview on Traver's podcast. And then um, we were chatting a little bit over Instagram about the Enneagram. And, and when, were you, when were you first introduced to your challenger personality type in the Enneagram? Oh, well, so I was a student of One Taste, which is a school of orgasmic meditation. I don't know if you know them, but um, that's my lineage. Uh, Nicole Dedone is the founder of that. And I spent many years in that community and um, in the, their programs and whatnot. And I, I remember that people back then would be like, oh, Perry's an eight. I, I don't think I ever took a, a, a test um, until recently. Like every, everyone was just always very clear that I was an eight, right? Because I'm the person who's like, no, 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 no. Like, no, I don't accept that. Like, that is bullshit. You know, like, I challenge that. <laughs> like, it was just very obvious. 
mean, and I am, right? I mean, I'm like the person who's always pointing to the emperor with no clothes, right? And the the person who's willing to say the thing that nobody's willing to say. And like, you know, that is definitely my personality. But, you know, one of the things that was going to say to you is I was, I was doing a test recently. I don't know if you know Max Marmer. Do you know Max? I don't. You should, because he had, he created this whole like Enneagram test. I'll introduce you to him. And Thank you. Have him on. Um, that would be amazing. Thank you. Yeah, he'll totally come on. Um, and the, the the I went and I I retook this test recently. And as I was looking at it, I was like, "Is that what I really am, or is that like my egoic personality born out of my wounding? Would I have been an eight if I grew up in a different situation?" Totally respect that question. Yeah. Right. And so to me, like, and I'll just, I'll be honest, a lot of these, um, this is just, I feel the same way about astrology and human design and gene keys and this and all of that stuff. Like they're useful. And as long as you don't crystallize your identity around like, well, I'm an eight, this is where I am. Mm -hmm. Like a woman once say to me from her, her human design, she's like, well, I don't have internal ability to make decisions. And I was like, who the fuck told you that? She's like, well, human design. And I was like, uh, that's not true. I'm like, do you have a pussy? And she's like, I do. And I was like, yeah. I was like, that is your internal compass for making decisions. And she was just like, oh, right. And now she's in one of those polarity relationships with one of those dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you saying that because, uh, yes, the tests are all very useful tools. And if we're just getting started in discovering more about ourselves, they can be super helpful at that time. And reflection. it's a great reflection shows shows like the little pieces that you might not know for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I, I love the Enneagram so much is how fluid it is. It it shows me my path to growth, but it also introduces me to people like yourself where this is where the true growth is. We were talking about subtypes and there's a point here, but like the one-on-one -on -one connection and you being a mirror for me mm. is really where I see growth as a sexual one-to-one -one subtype. My that? Uh, no, like how do I know if I'm that? Well, there's, there's certain descriptions that go along with your self-preservation, your social subtype, or your sexual subtype. And so it's another layer of self-discovery through the same tool. So we're not bouncing to Myers-Briggs and we're not bouncing to human design and astrology. I do, I do love the parallels and the, uh, with astrology and the Enneagram, but only in a fun, entertaining kind of a way. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and like, similarly, like I, my relationship with astrology really shifted too. And I'll just mention this because this is kind of how I relate to all of these things where it's like, there was a period of time where I was like serious love addict. And I was obsessed with astrology because I kept thinking that it was going to tell me when I was going to meet the one. And I would just like every month I would read like astrology, Susan Miller, astrology.com. And I was obsessed. And it, at some point, in order to like get off the fantasy of all of that, right? I had to also give up all of the things that facilitated that fantasy. And so that's where I'm just always cautious about all of these 
frameworks it's really like how we relate to them so i just wanted to i just wanted to share that not not to like diss the enneagram like no my my feelings are not invalidated there and i appreciate <laughs> um I'm here to like blow up your work and be like oh yeah it's meaningless no i'm just kidding i like i don't i don't i don't have that that yeah <laughs> Su such a challenger and <laughs> to the guys Enneagram podcast of like, well, is Enneagram really a thing? Is it valid? Like, so true to my eight. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate the reflection. And we we're talking about us being mirrors for each other. I was thinking the exact same thing of like, um, recording a podcast episode that aired today about anger, and mm -hmm. why why the Enneagram type eight stores so much anger and resentment and betrayal um, from from trauma experiences from the time that my Enneagram type was solidified. And if that particular instance had not occurred, would I have grown up as a two instead? Or would I have grown up as a nine or a seven because of who I felt I was being in my early teenage years, you know, 13, 14, 15 of feeling really authentic and then showing up in places like school and being ridiculed for my authenticity. I and I, you were big time. And I grew yeah. up in a abusive house, like just decades of like verbal and emotional abuse and provocation and control and manipulation and like name calling and like all kinds of things. And, and I think it all, it, it definitely contributes. Cause I, if I really think about like the essence of myself when, as a child, like I was really sensitive and creative and like, um, just wild visionary and I have cultivated I have like excavated a lot of that but I'm like my eight is like I'm a fucking boss why would I why would I give that up you know I earned those stripes and so, and so but it's like but at the same time you know in all my work of doing the feminine right of like really um you know delayering all that masculine conditioning that helped me not only survive but fr frankly like kick ass in the world right and be really successful according to you know the standard definition of success um and get shit done and all that stuff like that that also was killing me right and so taking a lot of that off um, I met an enlightened master in like 2008 and after like, I, by the way, this is all like, I didn't seek it out. Like I literally met this guy by accident when I was on vacation by myself in Bali, like, I, you know, just these stories. And after working with him for seven days, which I was very resistant to. And I was like, I just want to go to the beach. Why the fuck am I here? I did all this work with him. And then I just saw things that I couldn't and I actually talked about this on Traver's podcast too but I saw things that I couldn't unsee including like how I had compensatorily built my success which was like for the approval from from others right like my dad and my boss and like people like that and um when I pulled the plug I basically let everything go down the drain and a couple of years later I saw him and he was like smoking his cigarette and he's just like 
sounds like you threw the baby out with the bathwater and like you didn't need to do all of that. You know, like he's like, you're a moneymaker. He's like, you don't have to throw out that skill, for instance, you know, like, you know, because I, I had associated like all of these things and how I was and my unhappiness. And I just sort of dumped it all on money and was like, OK, well, let's throw out everything. And the reason I tell this story is because like to me, like I think that I have a lot of really bold eight things and there are places where like it's really important, you know, especially in a time where, you know, look at all of this stuff that is going on in the world right now. Who who is going to stand up and be like, excuse me? No, I am going to ask some questions here and I'm not going to worry about whether or not you like me or not, because I'm used to not being liked as an eight. Right. So I have the, you know, I'll keep that tool, but I'm not going to lead with it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring it out when it's appropriate. Yeah. I, I hear so much of myself in your share and contextually speaking, um, I, I relate so much to my professional life of like, if there's not another leader in the room, I'll take on the leadership role because yeah, somebody has to do it because uh, then the underdog isn't going to be represented in uh, communicating what they need. And that's who I stand up for. Oh, most. I don't stand up for people really. No, just for yourself. No, I just like, I think, you know, what I notice and well, especially in my work and, and it's evolved is that like, um, me standing up for others is a form of rescuing that means that like my uh like the energy that i have cultivated and my strength in standing up for someone in most circumstances i will be the person who gets involved in a life or death situation and i've done it before like where i will physically like step into something to like save somebody's life but that's a different that's to me is a different thing in in anything else um you know what i try to do now is create space for people to step up themselves because otherwise i'm enabling the fact that they can't like really it's it's actually inappropriate for me to use like the like my power to help other people because it actually um, it enables them to not create, like have their own. I'll have to be really careful about that. It is so easy for me to just go in and fucking help people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally relate to that. Um, creating a space. I didn't ask you if I could curse on your podcast. So I apologize. I'm a, I'm an F bomb dropper. Fucking go for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could. I can so relate to creating a space to empower other people for their own growth and to um, give them agency in their own experience of like, I'm making this choice to step into the space that Perry has created. And if that's how you relate to um, serving others, then, then we can actually take a look at something you referred to earlier. The question of you, you asking yourself, is this, this, this type description of the Enneagram type eight, is that just my egoic? Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I wanted to ask you to expand on that and uh, what's your, maybe what your first impression was and why you went straight towards that um, egoic wounding place. Well, because I, I, we, I mean, to me, the way that we, uh, 
the way that like we come into the world, right, is not who we become. And like, it's not really who we are anyway, because what we end up being in our life is a whole bunch of compensatory behaviors that are protection mechanisms, manipulations, and ways that we survive, right? And then they're not actually really us. Right, but they become skill sets, um, strategies. And, you know, to me, like the work that I do now is, is very much about like stripping a lot of things off. And it's very easy for me to hide as an eight, actually. I'm like so big and like scary to people that like it's an amazing cloaking mechanism. See, it's and it's funny because I use it all the time. Um, I use it as a gate to actually get into my work because it's like if you can't make it through that and you can't see me and you can't see who I really am, well, then um, you probably shouldn't be working with me. Mm-hmm. You know, there was somebody once who, who um, you know, and this is when I was really attached to being innate, like back like in my one taste days. And I, and I was still very, you know, I was tech CEO and I, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to build this billion dollar company. And, you know, I was very, very like, like attached to my masculine. And like, there was this one guy who would just send me like text messages with like little gifts of baby bunnies. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, don't tell anybody that I'm actually really like that. You're going to fucking give up my game. Right. And I'm just like, actually like this very soft, loving person, but most people can't see that because they see all this other stuff, but they also, I also am a, um, for whatever reason, I don't know if this is an eight thing, but you can tell me, which is, um, I am a holder of projections. People project literally fucking every single thing onto me and they like, I trigger the fuck out of people Mm. and, and they, they just, I mean, this is also the truth energy that, you know, I work with and, and I mean, some people can't even sit in a room with me without being completely activated. Like I don't see a whole lot of people anymore. (laughs) Totally get that and relate so much that, um, my circle of close friends and people who I feel support from is a lot like that, where I've just pushed away everyone else except for this small group of people whom I can truly trust and who I've let into my inner world. And your gate analogy is, is tremendous. Um, The gate is chain link, but the wall that the gate is allowing you through is pretty much like six foot concrete. And it's like 20 feet tall and it's there to keep us safe. Much like, much like any other person could relate to of like, I need to stay safe as a child. What do I do in order to, to feel that safety? It's interesting because I think it's evolved for me too, a little bit of like less about the safety, but more about the readiness. So I use the gate now for readiness, meaning like if you can't, if you can't handle this, this level, then like you're probably not ready to work with me. Right. And there are people who will sit in my field for like a year, two years, some people block me, hate me, freak out, come back, apologize, 
tell like I get messages from people I don't even know and they're like these long ass messages and they're like I'm I fucking hated you and um I fucking hated you and I blocked you and I had this and they had this whole experience in relationship with me and I'm like hi I'm sorry who are you like I don't know who you are and so like you know that and, and and that really I remember somebody told me once when I this was a friend of mine who's a very good friend now but like back then it was it was again in this community that I was in and she came up to me one day and she was like you know I really hated you and I said hi I said I'm sorry what is your name again <laughs> and she was like she's like but then I realized that she's like what I hated was how like you are so in your voice and your rightness and your power. She's like, and I wanted that for myself. She's like, and I hated that in you because I didn't have access to that. And so, you know, this is what we do, right? Like this is, this is how people are. And so, you know, I, I, after that, I really learned to stop taking it personally. I think up until that point in my life, I took it all so personally. Like I just, I was like, God, why do these people hate me? Not that they hate me, um, but they. So it's it's something that, that they're rubbing up against, right? That they that they 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 cannot work out in themselves that I either represent or you know whatever it is, and that's a lot of responsibility. Actually, it's a, it's it's an interesting path to to hold that. Not everybody mm-hmm. has that, right? And mm-hmm. um, I like what I've what I had to move from was being victimized by it to like owning it, owning the fact of it as part of like my responsibility for the power that I've been given. And when I say power, I'm not talking about social power. I'm not talking about privilege. I'm talking about um, energetic, like just raw life force energy power. Mm-hmm. As my teacher has said to me, um, you know, she said to me once, she's like, Perry, she's like, you were born, like, you were born with, like, an energetic trust fund. That it keeps giving and giving and giving, and it matures at a certain time. Different people come into this world with, like, different amounts of that stuff, right? And, you know, you can cultivate it, and you could grow it, but, like, if you don't have that, like, and, and really, it's a product of lifetimes, right? You, you, you you build up embodied energy like over the product of lifetimes, which is a whole other conversation. And, <laughs> um, you know, and it, and it, and it's just, it's, it's, it's creation energy, right? It's just like, it's the ability to like know the clarity of your desire and, and it happens like instantly. Yeah. You're talking about, you're talking about the responsibility that is, is so prevalent define the responsibility of like i don't know you hate me and are you still taking responsibility there or when you find out they hate them then you take on the responsibility so the responsibility no i don't take any responsibility for anyone's experience ever like everyone should just know that and do that right now. I just saved you your whole life. Stop taking responsibility for other people's feelings and experiences because half the time people's feelings and experiences don't have anything to do with you. They have to do with the whole backlog of who they are and their experiences and their life stuff. And you know, they see something in you and there are some times when we do something very specific and you can take responsibility for your actions and be like, 
like, oh, I am so sorry that I, um, I misheard you and you didn't feel seen in that moment. And I'm really sorry that that happened. Or like, you know, like when, when there's an actual specific thing, you can take responsibility. Taking responsibility for people's feelings and reactions, never. But what I'm talking about is that like, um, my responsibility is actually not to close my heart and stop loving people in the face of their triggers. And I couldn't be a teacher if I couldn't do that, mm. right? And this is, this is sort of like the advanced posture of that, which is like, um, I can have boundaries. So like people, like my students, like 100% will always go through some demonization process because that's what happens when you start, you know, like pointing at things in people's egos and they start, you know, crackling and all of that stuff. It's, it's literally part of the process. I tell them in advance that this will happen in my groups and stuff. People can always write like I fucking hate Perry right now, like in all of this stuff, but they can also see what's going on. Now, if somebody actually um, tries to harm me during that period, I will say, doesn't feel like this is a good fit. I'm no longer willing to be your teacher. Thank you. And like, you can go now. Right. So there's a difference and like, I'm allowed to have boundaries. Doesn't mean you can just do whatever the fuck you want. I'm allowed to have boundaries and take care of myself. And I can do that lovingly so that I can give you an opportunity to come back in the future, which many people do. They go off and they have their experience and then they're like, damn, I totally see where I did that. I'm sorry. And I'd like to come back. And I'm like, okay. Like, cause, cause to me, it's like, I have to hold the boundaries so that I don't become resentful and mm -hmm. then I don't shut down. Right. But taking responsibility for their reaction. Absolutely not. And in general, people pay me to have reactions, right? If, if nobody's having any things get stirred what the fuck are you paying for yeah you're not you're certainly not going to see any growth out of that um I'm here, to, I'm here to shake the snow globe baby <laughs> it's a really good analogy um <laughs> i can i can see a lot of your a lot of your experience in my own experience you know before we hit record i said we're going to start with the enneagram and find out how you heard about it and then I completely pivoted and said, hey, during your live event with Traver, I heard you talk about triggers. <laughs> well, that, that was completely not the direction that I promised where we were going to go. Uh, but I but told with, you I'm like down to jam, so it's yeah. okay. And, and with the container that we have, uh, even though it's via Zoom, we still have um, a hell of a lot of respect here. Yeah. And that's what you're describing when you're talking about, I'm going to help you grow. This is the, what you can anticipate happening, but it's going to confront you a lot. Yeah. Which is another reason why having the eight gate is great because it's like, if, if you can't even get through out here, right. If this is too confronting to you, then, you know, the real work is you're probably just not ready for the real work, but mm -hmm. what's really funny is, and this is this is this is the little bit of the eight eight and then whatever like the truth of who i am is like a little bit of a bait and switch a lot of times people come for me because they want me to like slay them 
they think that I'm gonna just be so forceful and like come in and crack that egg and all that stuff. And then I let them like just totally decompose for like eight months and I'm just like tiny little adjustments and I'm like, go nice and slow and just like, you know, and, and so like my style of how I work is actually way more gentle. Look, I'm giving up my game to everybody who's listening to this. I'm so gentle in the way that I work with people. And um, people sometimes are very disappointed by that because they just, they're like, I want the fire. Like, I want to be just annihilated. Somebody just, 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 just get me out of this egg. And I'm like, no, you have to get out of the egg yourself or you will die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that brings a lot of uh, awareness to this particular lens that we're viewing ourselves through today. I, I've heard the same reflection in my group. Dave, I don't see you showing up like that at all. Yeah. And, you know, a, a couple of days after the live event with Traver, uh, my partner and I are taking a hike and we're discussing, um, we're discussing the live event one more time. You know, yeah. it's an, it's an ongoing conversation for us. And she's like, yeah, I started following Perry on Instagram and when you describe the eight, Dave, like there's a, there's a lot of in your faceness to the Instagram, but I didn't catch any of that in the live event. These are her words. And I, I wanted to draw more out. I'm like, yeah, tell, tell me more about that because um, whether we're both type eight on the Enneagram or ENFP or whatever, we're gonna show up differently based on our life experience. And you just, you just summarized what it's like to have a first impression with you, whether that be social media or connected through a current client or whatever, their first impression of you is like slay and crack open the egg and be very intensely in one direction towards the goal. But once we're in community together, this resonates with me so much. We're going to take our time because I've been through the growth process before. I'm still in it. I know it takes time especially for an eight, because we have such a fear of vulnerability. Well, so, usually I think eights, and I don't know if this is your experience, but growing up for me, my vulnerability was always used as a weapon against me. And so it's taken a while. Like I, I don't have that anymore. Like I've really, I've really worked that, that out. Like, and in fact, I just made a gate, I just made a, a video the other day for my summer event. And normally I gate these really hardcore um, to keep people out. But I did a video the other day and it was just totally like de-armored and it was really soft and it was very inviting and things like that. And I was like, <clears throat> I don't need this anymore. <clears throat> I don't need this. I don't need this armor like this anymore. I can, mm -hmm. I can you know. And so what's funny is when I redid the test, I could feel myself choosing the things more from how I think of my identity. Cause like even the choices all felt egoic to me. Like they all like, cause the other ones didn't feel like truth either. Right? Like they just all felt like all compensatory behaviors. And I was like, I can't even, the only thing that I can identify with here is the way I've been, mm -hmm. not not really like the truth of who I am. Yeah, I, appre I appreciate that self-awareness when we're taking any test of like, 
does this ring true for me now? Maybe it used to. Um, the first workshop I went to for the Enneagram, I'm the only eight in the room. Uh, go figure though, because it, there are not that many of us. And to go to an event like I was at to expose my vulnerabilities, an eight's not going to willingly go. They're going to be dragged, kicking and screaming, and they're certainly not going to get up on stage and speak to those vulnerabilities in front of a room full of strangers. Why did you? Uh, because, because like you, I saw, I saw what was possible, like in my intuition, I had a, I had a gut instinct that like, I could be healthier. I could be stronger. I could be more de-armored than I actually was. And so I was taking a risk because I felt supported by the community that encouraged me to go. And they were part of my close five or 10 people. They're like, Dave, you would have so much fun at this event. We, we totally recommend that you go. So of course I gave it six months and then I signed up for the next one. So I'm the only eight in the room. And I, in response to the questions of the facilitator, I was like, you know, I used to do that, but now I see this showing up in my life. Or I used to do all of my decisions based on, yes, that was my truth, but it's no longer my truth. And, and that gives us another reflection of how integrated we've become over time through the work that it, it's going to be really tough but rewarding to get to a place of just letting down our armor, putting ourselves out there and attracting what and who is meant for us. You know what's funny though? Mm. Love my bitch. The most, um, like when I, when, I, when I write and stuff and like when I put things out, um, the thing that gets the most attention is not my, and I've actually been writing some very vulnerable posts recently, but, um, and, and taking off more layers and sharing more things. No, people love it when I'm the villain. People love it when I come in and I just like eat something for lunch and I bring out all the claws and all the barbs and all of that stuff. And people love it when they are triggered and like activated because I used words that were in specifically intended to like hit those spots and like they love it that that is the shit that gets the most engagement and so what's what's interesting is my practice because i practice magic lit business which is a framework that i created you know a lot of what i like my my commitment in doing business is not to manipulate people and so I only write those posts when it's true, like I'm in the moment and I like, there's a lot of heat and fire and whatever. But like, if I were like looking at engagement and saying, okay, well, what part of my personality gets the most likes and gets the most engagement, I would write everything from that bitchy, fuck you place because people love it. They love it. They just want to eat that shit up all day. I could be soft and bunny and like write this smooth, clean thing. And like some people will care, but mostly they're just like, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Right. And it doesn't have the same. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's fascinating because that's even what has people maintain those personalities because it's like, you get rewarded for it. You don't get rewarded for being your like deepest, most authentic, true self. You get, cause that's kind of boring. It's so clean. It's like, no one has any friction with that sometimes. And sometimes that, listen, I just launched an app. I said this to Traver called cult of truth. 
Okay. And look, I, 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 I took the name cult. No one was triggered. I did it in the cleanest way that like no one was even remotely fucked up by it. And I was just like a little, I was a little bit disappointed. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's like the more that you just like take things and make them clean. And believe me, I said it, I teed it up for it to be clean because I didn't, it was like a reclamation of the word, not like, like of the original meaning of the word. And, and like a reclamation of the feminine, but I was so sure, like somebody, I would have to, you know, fight with somebody about it. And I was mm-hmm. kind of excited about that, you know, and there was nothing, everybody, no one laughed. Everybody was like, oh my God, this is so true and amazing. And I was like, okay, cool, great. But... <laughs> I, I heard you discussing that clean, uh, clean energy that you're putting out there in the live event with Traver. And I've been mulling over that and what it means to me and how I could relay that to the audience listening because, <laughs> um, because that's, a, that's a big concept to listen to today and c- completely grasp. Uh, f- for me, what I hear when you're talking about clean energy is like you're in alignment with your mission and purpose in this life, which we could go a layer deeper in just a little bit because mission mission for a lot of people mission and purpose don't translate into the way that i talk about because like to me your only purpose literally is not has nothing to do with what you want at all it is literally what the universe wants to live through your body Mm -hmm. you are a vessel for the universe to create through you and all of your personality and personal desires and like wants and ego validation and all that is actually just totally in the way of your purpose. Mm-hmm. So any, this is people do not generally have this understanding of purpose. They think it's like, what am I going to do? Who am I supposed to be? Blah, 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 right? And it's like this whole, like, what's my, what's my, what's my do statement, you know? And like, I'm going to change the lives of 400 coaches because like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it's not it. And people have like all of this purpose to essence as well. Like, you know, they, they're just all like, what's my purpose? What is my purpose? And I'm always like, it's just to be you, like the actual you. Yeah, so- I'm glad I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, because when I see my uh, when I see myself showing up at my best, which is what I hear you talking about in my language of like, <laughs> no, no at your truest at my truest so i'm amazing at some things that are highly compensatory you can have great skills just because you're good at it doesn't mean it's the truest thing Mm -hmm. yeah i like that reframe and i i appreciate you i don't know if i'm like fucking you up right here too i'm like i apologize no, this is so this is so typical for an eight on eight conversation because uh, there's a <laughs> there's certainly a lot of um, opportunities to redirect one another. Yeah, and I I always default to I mean Brene Brown is a a great resource for both the two and the eight on the Enneagram, and where I see where I see a quote from her showing up to remind me of like okay. Uh, we're not here to 
be right. We're here to get it right. Mm -mm. Nope, not at all. That's like so from the framework of a scientific researcher. We are here to be right. And to be right is not to be right from the ego's perspective. And it's not to get it right because that's a doing. The, the purpose is actually an undoing. It is an undoing. It is a being. Mm -hmm. So from a and spiritual perspective, I deeply disagree with her in that framework. Um, but look, like she's on her own path. She is, you know, a celebrity, right? And, and a writer who comes from a researching other people's experience background. There is only so much knowledge that you can embody when you are researching other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that she's not important. It doesn't mean that a lot of what she has to say isn't um, incredibly opening and awakening for people. She has a very important place and she is able to speak to many different people. But that statement is actually just not true on a universal law level. Okay, fair enough. And I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you put all of those things together there, because of the, the ego, the ego is there preventing us from being our truest self. To to reflect back and use your language, and when we undo and unlearn all of that which the ego is trying to keep in place to protect us, which it, it hardly ever, honestly protects us, it just holds us back. I think it protects us from the perspective that in order to survive in the early parts of your life, you do need to belong and you need love and you need nourishment and you need to create strategies in order to get those things. So those are survival mechanisms. Um, and look, you know, we have a, a world that's built on distortions. So um, for instance, people are always like, why do bad people or like people that are unethical and stuff like always seem to win and stuff. And it's like, well, who said the system was ethical, right? You're, you're talking about like, who does someone need to be to be successful inside of whatever it is, right? Like, it's like, don't hate the player, hate the game, mm -hmm. right? So if the game is, is set up in such a way it's going to encourage particular behaviors in order to be successful at it, mm -hmm. right? So those people, right, are surviving inside of a game. Yeah, like their family system of origin. Or yeah. in the business world, for instance. Yeah, that too. About what gets rewarded in business, mm -hmm. right? You know, like up and to the right, hit those sales, get that sales done. Oh, you need to hammer people. You need to manipulate people. You need to sell hard. You need to convince. I saw uh, recently, I saw a Harvard Business Review ad sold to me, um, you know, that was like prompted to me. And it was like, how to, con how to change anyone's mind. And like the first thing that came to my mind was like, this is the core problem of our culture, which is like, how about you just respect people's boundaries and their no? I let me tell you something. I have the influence. I have the ability to influence people to change their mind. It's one of the reasons why I have like a zero pressure sales process because my desire and like my influence is so strong 
that other people will override theirs in my presence if I push. And so my, my work has actually been like, how do I make sure that that other person is super fucking clear? I will not help them at all. And this is what I was saying, like, I will not assist that because they need to feel it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Kind of like went off track here, but like, you know, what I'm talking about here is that like in the business world, I would be rewarded for being able to change people's minds, right? For getting people to override their no. Mm -hmm. That's rape culture. That's just business. Right. So if you think about just from that perspective, like what, what, who we are is the, what we've decided to value and how successful we are within that set of values. Yeah, that resonates, especially with the sales process in book in all three of my businesses, it's not about convincing somebody to get out of their own way so that they can say yes to the program. It sounds like you and I both believe in our process and our, and our, and our reason for being in somebody else's life so much that we're going to leave it up to them, keeping them empowered and giving them their agency to, to say yes to the things that they want. Well, not only that, I mean, for me, it's always a disaster if I convince someone. Mm-hmm. Without fail, anyone that I convince of something will always turn around and feel victimized the moment things are not the way they thought they were going to be, right? So like my, my the, the reason that I do this is because, not because I, I could be selling so much more. Like I, I, I my, my business probably could be 10x what it is if I was willing to use manipulation, hard sales, um, convincing people and all of that stuff. And I don't do it because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I require total personal responsibility. And if, if I'm going to require total personal responsibility on the inside, I need to make sure that you are a hundred percent a yes without Mm -hmm. any assistance. Yeah. So yeah, same here, same here. Well, and you practice ethical sales. To me, this is ethical sales, right? This is ethical sales because it's really an agreement of two parties saying like, yes, I know what I'm Mm -hmm. signing up for. Yes. I'm like, I'm a yes to you. You're a yes to me. Okay. Then we're in partnership here and this is a relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Before we, before we close out our conversation today, I don't want my computer to die. So I'm going to plug it in really quick and then (laughs) come back, come back to where we got off track off topic just for oh, sorry. I, I apologize I, I did veer us off a little bit when we, we you started talking about mission and purpose and then and then we we went on a tangent yes you're absolutely right and I wanted to I wanted to put this um this idea you're sharing of putting it out there clean with the cult of truth app and having having the people that want to work with you come be a part of that and you were surprised that it didn't trigger anyone. Yeah. And in in your live interview with Traver, it came up again where you're putting everything out there. Uh, the context was social media, putting out everything out there so clean that you weren't getting any haters or like the comments. And I wanted to kind of like pare that down and kind of pick your brain on uh, 
on the level of how somebody could see that showing up in their own lives. And I've heard somebody else say this before. Dave, Dave, why do you talk about receiving dick pics so often? Because I don't get one. I never get one. It's not a part of my experience when dating. You get dick pics? Not, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, not for a really long time. So I don't see. Let me just. See, in my world, we would just be like, oh, yeah, baby, show me another one. Like, that's a nice, big, thick cock, right? Like, I, I, I would, you know, I, I, I would also, I play with those things. I am super unoffended by things like that, but I don't receive those either. Right, um, right. Yeah. To, like, yeah. <laughs> to, the, they, to the point, right? They are our provocations mm -hmm. where, where, um, and it's probably subconscious, but like really what it is, is, is it's like this guy thinks that um, he'll get a rise out of her. And really what he's looking for is the, um, the it's an extraction of feminine energy. So when a woman reacts in a sort of volatile way, um, men feed off that, like literally off the energy. Uh, I had a boyfriend once who loved making me mad and and i would just be like what is your problem like what why are you doing this he's like it is so hot get mad he's like i just fucking love it and i'm like well i don't enjoy you know and this is back in a time where like everything would provoke me like i was just like a like a like <laughs> really really hard like you'd have to hurt my child now in order to have that kind of reaction with me like most of the time i'm just like oh that's very interesting like you know and and i see that as um somebody trying to extract my life force and i have very strict boundaries around that right. but um yeah like what is it about the dick pics what i wanted to what i wanted to assimilate and and pair the two together is like, you're speaking to having this clean energy in your business and clean energy on social media and clean energy. That's almost like it's setting those boundaries without having to speak it before it hits you. Like, um, Nope. That's yeah. Not tell, tell me more. Clean, clean is unbarbed. So clean is like, um, Clean is like so aligned with like that energetic truth. And I talk about this, it's like truth is a frequency. It's a harmonic that like when the chord strikes, like when the, when the thing goes through, it's, it's, it like goes right into people's bodies without hitting their immune responses. So even though I used a very codified word that has a lot of spice to it, I took all of the energy of that out of the word when I launched it. Mm -hmm. So um, it was like, and this, and this is how, like, this is how I teach embodied sales and things like that too, which is that everything is baked in with a particular energy. Like I could write something and if I'm in a bad mood and the energy is like resentful or it's got any one hit, that is what will it's unclean is when it has some kind of protection or poking or jab right and and really that kind of stuff is is what the internet loves because the internet yeah. is outrage right it's addicted to being 
right? Like if you're not doing that to people, then like their the addiction doesn't get triggered and then they're not interested in your content and all that. But you have to get off of that drug if you want to write and speak cleanly. Like even all the things that we talked about today, like I don't think anyone will really get hit watching this. Like it, this should be smooth and clean. Like yeah. this should go into people's systems in a way that they can just feel it. And like, it might percolate later, right? It'll, it'll, whatever a couple of people are going to be a little upset that i you know don't love brene brown the way they do and like who am i to uh you know make that assessment about her and blah, blah, blah. they'll get a little defensive because they're a fan but like other than that i think everything else will go in quick other than the people who also are super offended by dick pics and that i'm like oh yeah bring me a big juicy cock right like <laughs> hopefully it's big i mean mm -hmm. yeah i think that too right now we get into like little things like some guys will be like hey hey what if it's not big what about mine this is fun yes i appreciate that definitely and and i also appreciate the the opportunity to just to discuss differing opinions and differing experiences in our lives uh coming from this is only the first time that we've spoken i know isn't it fun I I wouldn't know what kind of a response you would have to Brene Brown. So I'm not going to steer away from it because you don't enjoy her. Uh, I do. And by the way, like I do enjoy her. I think, I think she has a real place. And I think that um, she opens the doors and eyes to a lot of people that really can receive her. Right. That's one of the, the, the great things about everyone has a different purpose, right? They're here to bring work through at the different levels so everybody can receive something. This is why, for instance, when people get all, um, I'm actually going to leave a bomb at the end of your podcast here, okay? This is why when people get all up in arms about cultural appropriation and things, um, there is definitely a misuse of things. I will not excuse that, like the whole colonization and like tokenization and things like that of, of things definitely uh that doesn't honor the original thing but the thing i always say to people is you know they'll bring up like yoga and like lululemon and all of this stuff and the way that i say it is if a woman who is attracted to a yoga outfit ends up and going to take a yoga class because of that or because it's popular and trendy and that leads her into the technology and the deeper practice and sets her on a path then that is the kind of awakening that we need right now. And so like, while Brene Brown is not my style and certainly not at the level of like truth that I subscribe to, she's needed at that, at, at that level of experience of, of, of um, is needed. People need different doorways in order to awaken, which is where we are right now in terms of the lesson of humanity is to wake up from this extractive consumerism um, usage and disregard of life force. That's, mm -hmm. that's where we are in the evolution of humanity. So anything that is in service to that, even if it doesn't look like the original thing, like the temple version of the thing, you know, I'm a purist. I mean, I, I'm run a very tight temple, but I'm not, not for everybody. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
maybe you know like and and i think that's i think that's where we have to say like everyone being the thing that the universe wants you to be including some of the egoic things because let's not just dismiss our humanity either in this that's part of it but it's like all of that is is designed exactly as it's meant to be yeah thank you so very much perry for closing us out with um is it just authenticity so thanks for closing it out that way and if people want to get a hold of you and learn more about you what's the best place for them to do that well right now i have a and and people who are listening to this might be interested in this but i'm i have a new program opening in september called slay which is like the eight program 100%. Um, but it is a it's a spiritual program about full expression. But I'm going to be unpacking literally everything out there from Oh, my God, we're going we're going really deep. And they're going to be guest teachers too. But but everything from race, gender, religion, politics, the medical system, like all the things, right, all of the, the things that are, um, you know, censorship, free speech, family, you know, the places where, you know, like, oh, I'm afraid to speak on the internet because I'm worried what my mom is going to think, like all of the things that keep people tightly packed together in a way that doesn't let them express themselves. And um, I'm going to be slaying all of it. Awesome. And so it's definitely going to be one of those, those um, journeys, uh, for the right people. And that's at perrychase.com backslash slay. Awesome. Awesome. And I follow you on Instagram and, and it's a heck of a heck of a fun experience to be in your community on Instagram. So what's your Instagram handle? Perry.chase, Perry with an I dot chase. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Perry, for coming and chatting with me, uh, throwing a bunch of reflections back at me as the challenger personality type. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. My pleasure. Wow, what a conversation with Perry Chase today. What came up for you today as you listened to our conversation as two challengers showing up, um, battling it out, not holding back, discussing whatever it is that comes to mind? If you'd like a little bit more support, please connect with me on Instagram at The Challenger Podcast. If you'd like to connect with Perry Deeper, she's a uh, She's hosting an upcoming course called Slay, which you can find at perrychase.com backslash slay. And if you'd like to connect with her on Instagram, her handle is at perry with an I dot chase, perry dot chase. Until next week, this is Dave Glazer in Denver, Colorado, wishing you health and happiness wherever you're at in the world. Welcome to the Challenger Podcast. I'm Dave Glazer, and my purpose in life is to share the benefits of fitness, nutrition, and personal growth for mental health, to empower others to understand their authenticity. After 10 years in coaching, I've discovered that all that holds me back is my own mind and everything that it creates as its own limitations. I have found that self-awareness through the Enneagram, attachment theory, and leadership lights the path to freedom from limiting beliefs. Welcome to the community, and I'm honored that you're here. Please enjoy today's episode.